to the InVino Fab podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Patrice. We're a host for the InVino Fabulum. That means in wine story. We think there are tales that need to be told about women, wine, work, and what's happening in the world. This podcast was created to have a chat about a few of these things and more. In this episode, we're joined by guest Valerie Haruska. Valerie lives by the words of the great philosopher Bruce Springsteen, you can't start a fire without a spark. As a fellow native of New Jersey herself, Val has been impacted and inspired by Bruce to find her own spark by trying new things and igniting her own passion in life. Valerie is a higher education professional based out of Buffalo, New York. She holds a bachelor's degree in English from Penn State, a master's degree in higher ed administration from George Washington University, and is currently completing a master's certificate in instructional systems technology from Indiana University. Besides learning, her other interests include hiking with her dog, Jersey, exploring state parks, baking biscotti, experimenting with new coffee flavors, and hopes to one day travel to Italy to become a certified barista. Mm. Hi, Val. Welcome to the pod. Hey, thanks for having me. I brought Valerie on to talk a little bit about um, her recent kind of career change evolution because I think uh, she's been thinking about this for some time. And if you want to give our listeners just a little background of where your work was and how it still is in the same area and industry, but in a different format. Um, That'd be great. Yep. So my background is mainly higher education administration or student affairs administration to get kind of more focused. Um, For 10 years, I worked in residence life. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with that area, those are the people that look after the students who reside on campus. And so I was on the front grounds, meaning a hall director role for about six and a half years. So I was the person who supervised the resident assistants. Uh, You know, some people have referred to me as the house mother, and that is not me, but <laughs> for this position, just to clarify, she lived in the residence I hall. Lived in a residence hall, but was not the house mother. That goes back to the good old days of like in loco parentis and all that fun history. But I'll let you Google that phrase. Um, <laughs> and so I worked at the wonderful University of South Carolina for a few years, and then the wonderful Boston University for a few years, and then I was like. I needed a change. So I um, applied and got a position at Indiana University Bloomington as their assistant director. So I bounced up from the person who worked in the residence halls to the person who worked to help support um, initiatives going on in the residence halls. And so I spent about five years at Indiana University Bloomington working in various roles, living in learning communities. So those are really the cool folks um, from our academic side of the house who have specialty communities in the residence halls. So I work to help support them uh, with their programming and kind of bridging that gap between residence life and academic affairs. And then eventually I worked with our student leaders on campus, um, those who are in residence hall association and national residence hall honorary. Those are the student leaders within the residence halls. And so those were a fun group of students to work with. And so that brought me up to about. Before you go further, I just clarify. So you were in residence life or around student activities or student affairs and direct student contact for a long period of your career so far. Correct. So how many years total? 10. Wow, a decade of fun. And, a decade of fun. And it's interesting, the living learning communities um, are ones that connect um, faculty or instructors or learning in the residence halls or in and around. So what were some of the communities that you all had in Indiana? Oh, gosh, we had 
11. And I think by the time I left, we had 13. So 11 when I began to came on board. Uh, we had our Kelly School of Business. Uh, that was probably the largest one at about when I got there, probably about 450. And it was only growing since I left. Um, we had a global global one. We had one that was specifically for languages. Um, oh gosh, we had an education theme one. So those who aspired to, they didn't have to be in the school of education, but they had to have a very uh, big interest in teaching and educating through different lenses. Um, oh gosh, we had one for, well, we, a newer one we had for uh, Latinx students on um, to live in that community and they were all connected to a class so that was really um exciting for them so they moved uh they lived and went to class together which was really neat so great so a combination of kind of like their academic discipline or the college or an interest so yeah I asked that because I lived in a health and wellness one so it was connected to a few different two different seminars on well-being um I'm sure if we had this now they would have added in meditation uh mindful thinking and things like that. I asked you to join, come on the show because I've been talking to career changers this summer and you're one of them that's made a change in the last few months. To leave primary domain has been in residence life and activities, um, student affairs. So where did you jump to and tell us a little bit about that and why? Yep, I jumped to a company called Campus Labs and they are higher ed adjacent. And so they don't necessarily just serve student affairs. They serve uh, institutions as a whole uh, through their wonderful product line of assessment tools, um, and which is, which is always expanding. So um, we do a lot of uh, visualization of of data and it, it's really nerdy and geeky and it was a really good decision on my part to go uh, because I just can geek out about this all day but unfortunately Laura and I only have like not a day to talk about this so you gave, so, yeah, the, best, um, you gave the best pun at the beginning when we were just talking before recording uh, you like yeah. it I like them a lot. <laughs> That's good. Okay. So Campus Labs, uh, fun fact, um, I knew the grad students that started student voice is where Campus Lab kind of grew out of. And so they're in the Buffalo. Uh, they used to partner with a lot of us in Canada, but after that darn Patriot Act, there are some uh, needs and um, things we had to change from working with them at University of Toronto to uh, where they are now. But um Tell us, like, what made you decide to work for this campus partner? So they're uh, whatever people call a vendor, a campus partner, but they work with other folks in different areas of higher education, academic and student affairs and teaching and learning, and they're expanding and growing. So uh, why, why this group and why this area? Yeah, um, so it was probably around this time last year that I was just like, I have to do something else with my life. Like, I had to have a serious talk with my with myself about what direction am I heading? I knew, I knew what I didn't want. I did not want to be a director of residence life. You know what? Shout out to all those people who are directors of residence life. You all are, you know, diamonds in the rare because it just, it takes a really special person to do that. And while my mom told me I was special growing up, I am not that special person. (laughs) Um, And I knew I didn't really want to be a Dean of students. I just, I see these very hardworking people and, I don't think I would find the work that they do rewarding in my lens. So I was like, what am I good at? And what 
areas do I shine? And um, if you look at, you know, a strengths quest inventory, which I'm just going to kind of lean on for a little bit, um, my strengths are strategic learner, arranger, achiever, and futuristic. So it was really that strategic key that I wanted to focus in on. Like my brain works um, kind of filling in puzzle pieces and like, I like a lot of moving pieces at the same time. So I was just like, well, maybe, maybe something in a higher ed adjacent role, you know, maybe these um, companies that I collaborated with, you know, maybe there's something out there for me. So I really just started to do um, some digging. You know, I had folks, I know folks uh, who were in my network that worked at companies like Elucian, which is another um, higher ed adjacent company, software company to work for. And I just, I was like, hey, do you, do you have a few minutes where we can chat on the phone about your role? And they, they are consult, their uh, title is a senior consultant. So I was like, you know, what's a day in your life like? How did you go from student affairs into this world? And so it was really just kind of a lot of information gathering and kind of thinking about where my strengths fit. And so I really just started, you know, taking my shots and uh, putting my resume out there. Um, it was a lot of kind of whittling down of my resume as a student affairs professional. It was five pages. I whittled it down to two. I like to say that was awesome. And there, it was a lot of hard work because, uh, you know, we're so used to in student affairs and uh, residents life telling our stories on paper. But I soon realized that people in, in the ed tech world don't really need that <laughs> story. Yeah, and when you jump to kind of a different focus, uh, whether it's in the same sort of domain or kind of a different industry, um, they're looking for very targeted skills or transferable skills. So it sounds like you did some informational interviewing, gathered some data about kind of, as you do, of what kind of people might be looking for or what kind of skills or what kind of um, areas of interest that might interest you. It sounds like, did you have anyone um, help you with your uh, resume review, your self-review, or did you use anything that might give others insights of, well, how would I reshape and tell my story for a different industry or an occupation? Yeah. So actually um, I did have a few people in the ed tech world. I was like, Hey, could you do me a solid and look at my resume? And it was great because I, these were people who, with the exception of the person who worked at Elucian, these were people who were not from the student affairs world. These were people who are more from that uh, ed tech side of the world. And so they were able to give me um, some good feedback based through their lenses. Um, shout out to the good folks at RoomPact who helped me out too. <laughs> um, they were really great in helping me just looking over my resume too. That's good. And yeah, and some things that we say in our different worlds of work um, is just the phrasing and terminology. So ed tech, educational technology, or learning design and learning technology, they're going to have some different kind of um, ways they use vernacular and like how they express things are going to be different. So, um, so getting it down from five to two is great. P.S. I just did uh, 15 to two. So uh, it really makes a difference of like, well, what's important and how do I showcase like the skills? Um, also, were there other things that you kind of thought about as you're applying for jobs in places outside of um, student affairs or even higher ed that you were kind of like, well, what else do I need to prep before I even meet with folks or have an interview or have phone or on-site interview somewhere else? Sure. It was really 
about how can I connect my experience in residence life into this field? And luckily, like Campus Labs ended up being a really good fit. I mean, obviously I work here now because I was able to tie in my assessment work and kind of the work that I did as a general student affairs practitioner, not necessarily residence life, although that helps. Um, it was really the being able to speak into the generalities of student affairs and um, my assessment work. And so I strategically was able to put myself on a few assessment committees, and this was prior to Campus Labs, um, because I knew that in the back of my mind, like assessment is what most people should be doing. So if I can kind of get on the front end of that and be more of a, I don't even want to say expert, but be more knowledgeable in that area, um, you know, it could help me out. And either way, it could help me out in student affairs or with a new transition. And luckily it paid off because it did really help me when, you know, speaking, I had to give a presentation for my interview and you know, it was like the topic was assessment. And I was like, well, that's a really general topic. Um, but mine was really about creating a culture of assessment because that is the experience that I had when working um, at my institution. No, that's great. And I think you're right, is getting yourself involved in some of these, whether it's committee works or task force or just initiatives that are happening around an area of interest is a really good idea. So um, what were some things that you could take away from those committee work that you now probably apply more than you would have thought to your role in, in assessment at Campus Labs? It's a lot of translating. Mm-hmm. So, and it's a lot of being like, assessment is not something you should be afraid of. Assessment should be integrated into the work that you do. It shouldn't be the uh, add-on. It it should always be there, always be present. And I think being able, again, to translate that back, um, it really helps when I'm on a call with a campus to just talk to them about my background. So being able to have that common ground and that common knowledge, I think really, really helps. So it's, it's a lot of talking to people, but talking to a group that I already feel comfortable with because I've lived it. Yeah, I think it's valuable that um, some of the groups, whether it's in education technology assessment or bringing on folks from the field, because you can do those crosswalks. You can translate things very well. I let them know why this uh, customer or client wouldn't understand something and also explain um, a little bit more behind the data, which we don't do well. So assessment, I see as finding evaluations. We look at program programmatic reviews. We look at initiatives like an understanding of cycle and what you might reiterate as something on campus. And um, I think evidence-based practice is strong. In higher ed, inside and outside the classroom, we're not as strong as our K-12 folks. So I think it's great that Campus Labs is working with um, clients and institutions and having people like yourselves come on board, because I'm sure you're not the only one coming from a student affairs or higher ed practitioner professional background. So I think it's great that they're having what I call you call translators um, on the team. So this is excellent. Oh, yeah. Um, I would say probably about 95% of the consultants at Campus Labs have come from a position on campus, whether it be from the faculty side or the more administrative side. It's really, it's really a nice meld of, of humans there. Cool. So, so you said your role is in assessment. And what would you say some of your kind of key things that people may not know what your role is about or what would they expect in your that kind of position um, besides like evaluating data, looking at things? What are some things that either is day-to-day or facts that you found, oh, this is refreshing that I'm doing this? Oh, yeah. So I think um, something that they 
probably don't realize is that I am learning a lot of products all at once and they all do very different things. Um, there is more than one way to go about administering a survey. Um, and while some people think that I think a survey critique is the best way, sometimes it's not. And that's kind of my role is to really help uh, broaden the horizons of the product line, um, our baseline. I work with a, a product called Baseline, which is our survey administration tool. But within Baseline, there are some really great things to do um, and different ways of gathering that data in a more efficient way. And, and I really think that's why I'm there. I'm like, no, I think this would be more efficient in this instance. Um, what they don't see is that we're always uh, learning new things and Right now, we are really trying to integrate socially just assessment into the into the work that we do. Um, I'm going to plug a great um, podcast uh, by Dr. Ann Lundquist and I believe Dr. Gavin Henning, and it is called Socially Just Assessment. You can just put it into Google. It's on SoundCloud, I believe, and it's it's wonderful. They have on special guests that talk about assessment through the social justice lens. Um, so it's always worth a listen. And so we're, we're trying to be like, how can we get our campuses on board? Like even the way they write questions or um, who the audience is, like who specifically is taking this assessment and will that yield the results that reflect the culture of the campus? And so oh, these things- great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely add the link to their uh, podcast because how we ask questions in the past have always been driven by a certain lens or perspective and they don't allow for what we have needs in diversity and inclusion, right? And equity. So. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's really great. Um, and we're always trying to get feedback from our campuses. I think, you know, to have that really great relationship, of course, there's like the administrative backend that you don't see where mm-hmm. I'm taking notes better calls, um, <laughs> but that's just for our own knowledge. So we can best support you um, and follow up on any lingering issues. Um, but there's a lot, there's a lot, uh, it's very highly relational. I work with some great people on different product lines. So if one campus is like, I need to know more about this, well, then I can just walk across the hall to that um, consultant and be like, hey, what's the story with, you know, their usage of this product? So it's, again, very relational um, and very strategic at the same time. No, that's great. Uh, So you said a few things there that like, I think it's really important to highlight is you are continuing to learn. Like your interest and aptitude to learn is really critical in this kind of career change or pivot. Um, You also recognize that you can't do this by yourself. So you have to work with a team and others and ask the questions and not be afraid to put yourself out there to say, explain this further to me. And then I think the idea that uh, you're seeking out kind of external resources still for the organization is really great, whether it's a podcast or continue to read or engross yourself in some things um, that you want your team to learn while you're learning as well, that just informs what you're doing. Because um, I think we have to think about, especially when it comes to evaluation and assessment, what are the biases? Who are we not reaching? What audiences aren't getting a voice? Or how are they interpreting the questions you're asking? Is there anything that you're reading these days to help you with some of that work besides learning all the fun tools, platforms, and systems? <laughs> uh, not necessarily what I'm reading to help me uh, with the work. Uh, yeah. We did read customer management solution is... Salesforce. And so they have a book on customer success. And so it, it, it's pretty much like, I think, common knowledge um, in there. And so that was a, I mean, it was a good book to read, but it was, it was a lot of case studies in there. Um, 
So you know that common knowledge isn't common. So that's for you. I know. That that might be good for some. (laughs) Sure. So if you're really interested in customer success, I highly recommend that book. (laughs) It's just after years of working with students and parents, it it was very helpful. Yeah, no. And I would say exposure that would be for folks who were probably internally. So if you have anyone coming from like institutional research on a campus or somewhere else that's doing data in a different way, they don't interact with people as much as you're right. You're right. (laughs) <laughs> just shifting my lens here, Laura. <laughs> um, what are some some of the challenges that you kind of had to overcome or surprises maybe that you didn't think about um, with kind of your move, um, your role, or what you're doing right now? Yeah. Um, so a few surprises is it's very interesting not walking like to another building on campus for a meeting I just have to go up or down the stairs that is literally fascinating to me so I actually have to tell myself you need to get up and walk even if it's like down the street and around the corner like you need to get outside because I used to get outside all the time but now I just feel like I sit a lot and so that that's on me so I have to do that um it is both wonderful and dangerous to work in a place that offers free snacks. <laughs> right. And everybody warned me about it. It's the Campus Labs 15. And so <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> People are very passionate about their snacks too. And I love it. <laughs> so you have a heavy snack culture. So that might also encourage you to get more steps somewhere in between the day. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we do. Um, I think... I think something I had to learn, I mean, a lot of the products, I mean, I had to learn very specific, you know, things that an average user may not know. And so I really had to kind of continue to think about, okay, if they don't use it this way, how else can they do it? So I always have to think, I guess, intuitively mm-hmm. the word for that. So yeah, it's a lot of taking initiative in those aspects and really trying to figure out what the campus wants because people would say, Oh, I want this survey or I want to get this information. Help me get it. And I'm like, okay, let's rewind that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Because you yeah. think a solution might be a product or a survey when it really, they may already have that information locally and they just haven't sought it out or figure out where to get it from. About a few weeks ago when I was at a conference, I was sitting there and all the questions were really geared toward like, well, when you're in your department or division, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even have that anymore. Like, what do I do? So it's just kind of like the little things that I was used to and not being able to kind of say anymore. Yeah, but you're also in a unique spot where your your team's all local and they come with a diverse skill set to team with, work with, learn from, but also remind yourself what campus life is like. What are some ways that you plan to probably stay connected? Because I'm sure you will to figure out like what's the pulse of different two-year, four-year schools and their needs and things like that. Yeah, and luckily I have a really great network of colleagues, and so I am sure folks uh, will not be hesitant to tell me about what's going on on their campuses. Like, I just continue to ask questions. Luckily, I'm still enrolled in classes, um, and so a lot of my projects require, hey, you know, create this for for something. And so I, I'm always looking for ways to better uh, student affairs to be more efficient and to embrace technology, and so. I really get a feel for what's going on through kind of those conversations when I have a project and I'm like, 
hey, people who still work on campus, help me, help me. Uh, For (laughs) our listeners' sake, can you tell them what you're working on? So I am actually getting a master's certificate in instructional systems technology, which has been amazing. And I have one class left. Um, This past summer, I took computer-mediated learning, and I had to code for the first time. And that that was something. Well, and it's really funny working with developers because I was like, hey, developers, I'm using Dreamweaver. And they laugh. <laughs> it's changed a lot since those were initially designed, those courses. It's, it's really critical to update. <laughs> but yeah, no. <laughs> I think uh, one of my favorite courses, though, was Emerging Learning Technologies. And that's because we got to really dig into the future of, of what, what it actually is, what are the emerging learning technologies and a lot of um, augmented reality, virtual reality, adventure learning, mm-hmm. uh, open, massive open online courses, um, open educational resources, OER, open education mm-hmm. resources. Um, so things that I didn't even know about that I thought I was like hip and cool and knew about, but like, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's funny that those crossovers never go into student affairs because that's something that I've been thinking of um, for a long time is why don't we ever educate um, some of these learning experiences with what people are learning, how they're learning outside the classroom and active student activities and student affairs and student support services. Cause we don't do that enough. Like, mm-hmm. so for what you say is new, we're like, Hey, this has been around for a little while and yeah. welcome. That's great. <laughs> what was your, what's, what is really getting you excited for the emerging technologies ahead that, um, that you'd like to either learn more about or see come out a bit more maybe in the future of your work? I think that the more simulated things we can do. I, I, I love the simulation and virtual world. I just think like adult learners are engaged in different ways um, versus like not lecture style or, Hey, here's a PowerPoint or here's a panel. Like those are all great. And it's great to hear the experiences of others. However, I don't think that's how people are learning nowadays. Um, and so I want to see, all those evolve into something really awesome. So I would say the more like augmented and virtual realities, not necessarily uh, with a headset <laughs> per se, but um, hey, let's put you into this situation and let's see how you react because it's going to use your brain on the spot and critically think about things. So it's really exciting. I would say you're right. Um, higher ed is slow to catch up, but other fields like healthcare and we see other domains using, whether it's practicing, testing, trying medical items before simulations and nursing, um, we'd like to see that come to other um, areas and occupations. But I think that's a really great hope to have on the horizon um, because practicing before you're in an, like an applied setting um, at our institution, especially four-year schools, we can use a bit more of that. Do you have any recommended resources or reads um, in the fields that whether you're what you're studying or what you're learning new in assessment um, that you say hey if they want to learn about more of assessment in general or instructional systems design um, what would you recommend oh sure um so I would for an online kind of more assessment and data and what it can do for you um I this is a campus labs uh journal it's called campus intelligence and it's really great it just it doesn't focus on our products per se um in fact i don't think many of it does many write many articles excuse me do um it's just really broad general topics um i guess for instructional design i would say anything i read for a class has been really helpful um 
And so they should be used, especially um, my course in emerging learning technologies. Everything was readily available to anybody who to go look for it because uh, that instructor was like, knowledge should be free and you don't have to buy a book. I haven't bought, had to buy a book for any of my courses so it's been really great. Um, yeah, that's what our field maybe, does. So yeah, welcome, maybe welcome I can send design. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I can send those along. I don't know. It's it's maybe been a the syllabus. Maybe we'll get the syllabus for that tech, emergent technology course. That might I, be good. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of information and videos in there. So it's really awesome. Sweet. I like that. What have you been reading or learning about yourself uh, beyond work? It's like a story that's fun or a podcast or a film <laughs> or TV show. What might that be that's kind of giving you some, some thoughts about stories yourself? Yeah. Um, so today I found out that at the beginning of the year, they launched an Elizabeth Holmes podcast. Like it's a podcast about Elizabeth Holmes and... <laughs> Uh, for those of you who do not know who Elizabeth Holmes is, she is the founder and CEO of Theranos, the uh, blood machine that didn't work with, for anybody, and that she, you know, was four billion dollars, you know, up there, and now she was has she also part of the fire festival that cropped out. I don't know, probably. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. I remember her situation. Yes. Yeah. And so I was like, there's a podcast. And so I just found that today. And so I'm really jazzed because because I love it. And so it's about her. It's not her podcasting though. Yes, correct. It is about her. It's basically uh, through ABC News. Okay. And they're just like keeping track of her trials and tribulations. And I'm just like, give me the popcorn. I can't stop watching or listening. <laughs> Um, actually the book I am reading right now is actually on loan and it's called the national team It is about the U S women's soccer team. Yes. They're, they're just like such an inspiration. And, you know, you see all these strong, powerful women who are fighting not only on the soccer field, but kind of out and trying to, you know, fight for equal rights and equal pay. And I think they're nothing short of inspiring. And so I think, when I read about them, whenever I hear about them it, in any way, it's just, it kind of gives me, gives me hope <laughs> that strong women can continue to rule the world. Um, so that's really, that's really what I have going on. I mean, I just got done with my semester on Sunday. So I'm like, what do I do with all this free time? So now you get to list some binge, listen to some Elizabeth Holmes about her. It's true. It's that's good. True. Yeah. I like it. Um, Let's see. Is there anything that you're going to chill out with now that you're finished your coursework on your back patio, front patio outside? Uh, what's your go-to yeah. beverage of choice this summer? Oh, it's summer. So it's sour beer season. And um, I have been trying to go to every brewery in Buffalo who has a sour beer. There are some who do not have any. And I'm questioning why they're still serving stouts. It is terrible stouts. Like, I don't think you should drink stouts in the summer. Uh, we, this is where Val and I disagree. Um, I'm a stout Porter fan any time of the year. It doesn't matter. Um, sours though are an acquired taste and I've had some lovely ones and I've had ones that I question if they're close to pine salt. (laughs) That's fair. Like, so I went to this one brewery who shall not be named. Okay. And about two weeks ago I had this delicious, like mixed berry sour. And I was like, this is amazing. And so I go back to the same brewery and I'm like, cool. Can I have like this raspberry sour? And they're like, we're out. I was like, you're a brewery. Can't you just 
literally, okay, fine. They had another one, but they put lactose in it. And so mm-hmm. it was just an extra, it was like milky. And I was like, oh no. It's like this those milkshake good. IPAs. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not sure about the, oh I've had a good one. I've had a, meh, so a sour. Now, do you have a go-to sour if you're going to recommend one that you've either tried locally or that you just like? Um, so I will say the sour with cherry and lime from Community Beer Works in Buffalo, Buffalo, New York is amazing. Cool. Um, local listeners, go check it out in the below. But also, have you had a sponge candy stout yet? No. Tell me more. So sponge candy, I'm not a fan. But it's like, a, how do I describe it? It's, it's a very like thick, crunchy, like caramel substance dipped in chocolate. Mm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. And then they turned it into a stout. So someone did it. I feel like I should send this to you. Yeah, I will uh, check this out. Um, I will put this in the show notes as well. Now, I know what sponge candy is. So all their beers are made out of sponge candy? I I don't know because it's summer and I haven't had it yet. (laughs) So I could do a stout float, right? Like that's a sponge candy. So maybe I'll do a sponge candy stout float. This is true. Uh, our house is welcome any type of beer any all year long so that's our that's our problem and I'm glad you brought it up we usually talk wine but I am also a big beer fan as well um, so Val when you come down I will bring you to our beer place that's in a couple other places in the U.S. called the Flying Saucer which, I love the Flying Saucer yeah you know what they are we're, we're saucer plate owners so we're good well, I am far from a saucer plate owner however I did I did enjoy uh, my times that I've had. Yeah, no one should be proud of 200 different beers. But in fairness, to be fair, that was over like 11 years. So um, right. so we're fine. It's, yeah, it's you're in moderation. The second plate will be ridiculously faster. So I've been oh. doing a lot of work there. Um, <laughs> before we go, uh, tell me something that's bringing you joy these days. Um, something to make you smile or laugh. Yeah. My dog. She's wonderful. <laughs> tell our listeners about your puppo. My... Popo, her name is Jersey. She was a rescue dog when I lived in Indiana. She came from Kentucky. And so Kentucky has a lot of, of strays and they're just running out of room in their shelters. So this rescue group from Indiana went, grabbed her and her two brothers and brought her. And I was like, she's adorable. And so um, she is turning two in August. She is a border collie mix. And she has white paws with black speckles on them. And she's so adorable. She did just get her first like spray paint tattoo two weeks ago. So <laughs> she has a pink paw on her booty or had. Like it's it's not my surprise. Your energy is probably the same as your border collie. So I'm glad that you found each other. So <laughs> we did find each other. Oh, and I mean coffee always brings me joy too. So mm. my dog and coffee. It's it's a beautiful thing. I'm very like so you found the spot at a coffee shop in Buffalo? You know, yes, but I am still discovering more. Okay, go on. Which makes it phenomenal. So, you know, I have, I have some judgy listeners out there probably, so they're going <laughs> to give me crap for this. But I am a five-minute walk from Dunkin' Donuts. Now, in Indiana, the nearest Dunkin' Donuts to me was 45 minutes away. And to me, that's like, it's like home, right? It's like that you know, guilty pleasure that you, that you have, right? Everybody has it. Dunkin' Donuts is mine. Just the coffee, not the donuts. 
I also uh, have enjoyed a cup of Tim Hortons coffee. Yeah, I'm jealous. You live so close to that. Yep. There, there are several within walking distance to my apartment, Laura. I'm so sorry. Um, it's okay. My coffee tastes have changed. Like I brew more at home these days. So when I have a Timmy's and if you have a double-double, that's too much. Uh, <laughs> that's too much. So I, I'm okay with, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's all good. But I do, I do like a Timmy hose when I'm around the area. Love it. Um, but we also have some local folks around here who have been wonderful. Um, however, when I had guests from Bloomington here about a month ago, I was like, could you bring me two bags of beans, one from this place and one from this place because they don't, they don't sell it here. So I was just like, I, I love a good like local coffee roasted mm-hmm. there. And it, I mean, phenomenal. I'm like slowly going through my bags. I expect you to roast your own coffee some points. You roast your own beans at some point. So, oh yeah, I, I, fun I, my retirement job is opening up my own coffee shop. Okay. Or you have a name? What's the name? I can't say because somebody's going to listen and take it. Okay, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Val, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we'll share all the good things you've chatted and shared with our group about, and uh, we appreciate hearing your story and your journey. And come back again. Thanks for having me. Cheers.